Hello and welcome to Best of Shows, a weekly conversation about the biggest things happening on the small screen and a guide to what TV is and is not worth your time. I'm Kristen Baldwin, TV critic at Entertainment Weekly, and I'm joined by my fellow EW critic and TV junkie, Darren Franich. Hi, Darren. Hey, Kristen. How's it going this week? Pretty good. Pretty good. What about you? It's going okay. It's going okay. I'm feeling like generally good about the shows we're talking about this week. Yes. I feel pretty good about at least one of them, maybe even two of them. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at now. Definitely not the other one, which I, unfortunately is the one we're, we're, we're going to be talking about first. Yes, exactly. But like, all the, you know, sort of saving the the best for second and third, if not, <laughs> if not last. As the old saying goes. Yeah, exactly. So we'll kick things off with what's new. And what's new this week is Showtime will premiere their new limited series, The Loudest Voice, on Sunday, June 30th at 10 p.m., this is based on Gabrielle Sherman's best-selling book, The Loudest Voice in the Room, and the show stars Russell Crowe as Roger Ailes, the founder of Fox News and the alleged serial sexual harasser. Each of the seven episodes in the series centers on a key milestone in Ailes' career, from launching Fox News in 1996 to pushing for racially charged coverage of the Obamas in 2008, to his resignation amid sexual misconduct allegations in 2016. The Loudest Voice has a star-studded cast. Sienna Miller plays Ailes' wife, Beth, although you can barely recognize her. Naomi Watts plays Fox News anchor Gretchen Carlson. Seth MacFarlane is suitably smarmy as Fox News PR exec Brian Lewis. But the show doesn't really do much other than give us the greatest hits of Ailes' most infamous moments. Crow is quite good as Ailes, but did we really need the Oscar winner to spend hours in makeup each day to remind us that Roger Ailes was a bad dude? Unlike, say, the American Crime Story series, both seasons of which brought new and thoughtful insight to sensationalistic news stories, the loudest voice feels more like a prestige reenactment to me than anything else. Uh, what did you think, Darren? Kristen, I think your comparison to the American Crime Story series is so apt. Both seasons so far shine such an incredible new light on stories that I think a lot of people thought they knew everything about. Right. Here, it really feels like quite the opposite. You mentioned the kind of greatest hits version of Ailes' life. And unfortunately, um, in the episodes that we've seen so far, it also feels like you're getting, for lack of a better word, the greatest hits version of the last 25 years of history. Right. You know, Ailes himself, he's kind of constantly portrayed in really kind of two different, specific, equally annoying ways. Um, <laughs> either he is sort of like butting right up against these major moments in history, uh, whether it's in the 90s, whether it's 9-11, whether it's the Obama uh, election and administration. And adjacent to that, he is giving just these constant big speeches about how I, I believe in the power of television. Mm -hmm. And let me explain to you what cable television is all about. In episode four, he actually says, uh, we don't follow the news, we make the news and history gets written by the winners. That's just kind of bad dialogue. Yeah. And I understand that he himself was a, was a pompous gas bag. <laughs> but it, it, it feels as if the show, as you said, there's a difference between bringing something new to this, whether it's kind of whether it's illuminating the man, the time and place, and kind of just reenacting it for the sake of giving actors big things to do on screen. And very little in what I've seen feels like it's really either telling us something 
something new or providing us with any insight. Um, how do you feel in general about, you know, you have this sort of move from these moments of the kind of public ales, right. sort of like, you know, working with, with Fox News and creating it to the very private and horrifying ales. I mean, like, I, th th there's something kind of off to me even in the portrayal of his, you know, alleged harassment, which, which we see very much in depth in ways that are horrifying. But in the same sense, again, it doesn't feel like there's new insight really being added. One of the stories that I didn't know much about until I started watching was um, there was a Fox News booker and executive named Lori Lunn, played by Annabelle Wallace, who I think is great. She really, this character is tormented greatly. She went public, uh, Lori Lunn in, in real life went public after Gretchen Carlson filed suit against Ailes in 2016. Gretchen Carlson had said she was fired because she rejected uh, Ailes's advances and was also sexually harassed by him. And, and Lori Lund said she was sexually abused by Ailes for years. And that is sort of portrayed in this story, uh, in this show. And it's like really kind of, I don't know, it felt a little... Like they 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 spend a lot of time on Roger Ailes making Lori Lunn give him blowjobs, and it's gross. Yeah, and it's shot with like it, well, he uh, allegedly, you know, he's dead, so we can't libel him, but still, allegedly, uh, he would videotape her as she you know he'd make her put on lingerie and videotape her as she gave him blowjobs and uh he would say it's his insurance policy but like it's filmed sort of in this noir way where the first time he does it you see her sort of very uh grainy and haunted through the lens of his camcorder and it's just gross and yeah and Again, like, gross. Okay, he's gross. But then, like, what do we learn about that? Could we tell the story from her perspective? Could we tell the story from Gretchen Carlson's yeah. perspective? I think you're really onto something there, Kristen. There's a sense that, you know, when it chooses to be sort of quote-unquote artful about this stuff, it seems to be going in the wrong direction with it. Um, right. I, I, I've been struggling with this a little bit in a strange way with another show uh, that's just returning, the FX series Legion, um, which I just loathe now. And, and <laughs> it, it, in its own way, it's trying trying to do something in the sort of superhero mutanty comic book space to what Loudest Voice is doing as a biopic, where it's kind of trying to tell this story all about like this super toxic and narcissistic male ego just run amok given absolute power. And I understand why storytellers want to tell these stories in right. this day and age. But I think when you're telling that story, I just think it's very easy to slip into a space where even if you think to yourself logically, I'm constructing this. I'm not trying to make this look good. Right. Um, you kind of can't help but fall victim to the sort of power complex with it. And, and I think that, you know, I like Crow's performance as Ailes, I struggle with it a lot. I mean, I, I think there's a lot of latex and a lot of makeup there in, in a way that doesn't really do the creation of a character on screen much service. Um, yeah. And I just think that, like, th there's this strange vanity on, on the part of the performer to constantly be like, I'm giving these big speeches yes. and I'm saying these big lines like every you know every 15 minutes like clockwork there's a whole uh, through line in episode four where he's kind of taking a young journalist under his wing and that story is interesting in some ways that kind of focuses on Roger Ailes and his wife taking over a uh, Putnam County newspaper but that entire interaction between them the whole episode is just Ailes feeding bromides to him and it, it right. just, it, it, it's moments like that that as much as the show is trying to tell the story of him as a bad guy it's also kind of in awe of his ability to say all this stuff and, and I, make I don't know, it, it happen it just, yeah exactly right yeah yeah i 
understand, like, there's also another <laughs> Roger Ailes Fox News situation, like a movie coming out, I think, with Nicole Kidman and stuff like that. And I believe that is told from the perspective of the women, or at least maybe from Gretchen Carlson's perspective. So maybe that's why they didn't, you know, do it this way. Do we really need sort of a reminder that Fox News, and in large part, Roger Ailes, as leader of Fox News helped create sort of the divisive nature of political discourse, you know, that is, has dominated in the last 10 years, probably not. Do we need two full episodes, essentially that episode four? First, we, we find out in episode three that he's essentially, you know, coerced uh, Lori Lunn into this sexual relationship that is making driving her crazy, almost literally. And then episode four spends a whole lot of time uh, with her being miserable and driven crazy. And it, and again, like, okay, you know, like, mm -hmm. why would mm -hmm. I need to watch this? I don't understand. What I want to know is who were these people who enabled him? Like his longtime assistant, Judy LaTerza, who's played by Alexa Palladino, she's never given an interview. So I guess, you know, I understand, like, if you buy the rights to this book, you're not going to be able to use her quotes because she really hasn't talked on the record about this. But on the other hand, there are good writers out there who could probably tell a story from her perspective. This yeah. woman who helped him recruit women to abuse. She she changed the names in his logbook so that it wasn't clear that he was like constantly meeting alone with these young women. And, uh, you know, she protected him. And I want to know about that lady. And at least give me that. Absolutely right. And, and you know, Palladino gives an interesting performance very much along the margins, as you mentioned. There's just a couple of kind of quieter moments with her. Yeah. You do kind of see, you do kind of see like the story that this could have been. In the same way, Kristen, um, we've not seen too much of her yet, but uh, when Naomi Watts does show up as Gretchen Carlson, she's given a pretty interesting performance that almost kind of this is not her fault at all, it's the show's fault, it almost kind of like makes everything else look even more plastic. You know, a lot of the reenactment aspects of Loudest Voice just do not work. Right, And, you right. know, maybe it's, maybe it's a matter of, like, there is such a specific tone and diction and style to Fox News, to the way that the anchors and opinionists and other propagandists there sort of operate. And, like, I, you know, it, this sounds strange to say as someone who, spoiler alert, is not a big fan of Fox News, but, like, <laughs> but, 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 like you know, you, know, you sort of want some of that excitement to come across right. on screen here and just the way that you know the way that that kind of reenactment stuff is presented that doesn't really connect so it's just it just feels like you know this is sort of a classic example of a modern day miniseries I think Kristen where it's decided to go in so many different directions but not really commit to any of them which I think is, is a real shame because there is obviously so much material here that could lead to something really interesting yeah and, and their thesis is that Roger Ailes was a toxic guy right we knew that <laughs> agreed <laughs> i will say i really think sienna miller is great as his wife beth she's like first of all like i said before she you can't even recognize her i had to look up who was playing his wife you know she's this woman who uh worked with him in real life at cnbc before he left to launch fox news and uh, he essentially, as their relationship progressed, he said, you know, I can't have you work with me. I basically need you to stay home. And so she stays home and she sort of worships him from afar. But he gets her a project, which is buying this this paper, um, this small town paper and, you know, adding, a, you know, as they decide 
is needed a conservative voice to this very liberal, you know, sort of suburban enclave. And again, that's an interesting story. I'd like to hear more about that. I'd like to see more from her. Why? What does she see in this guy? You know, and I don't know. It, I've only seen four episodes. By the way, Naomi Watts, who is... Um, uh, sort of sold as one of the stars of this show. She really isn't in it very much in the first four episodes. She's not in it at all in the first one or two, I believe. Uh, so I'm hoping there's more with her later because she, Gretchen Carlson, is the woman who uh, essentially went public for the first time with these claims against him. So obviously her she's got a big role to play in the latter half of his career. Yeah, and I, I, I think some of that does come down to, again, this feeling of a miniseries being stretched rather yeah. than really digging into the material that, you know, you do have, I mean, she just right off the bat, I think, is giving a really interesting and compelling performance. And, you know, that, that alone kind of does make me want to continue watching as I presume she kind of takes more of the central role right. as the years kind of go on but again it's it is the classic biopic problem of like okay if you're just kind of telling this story all kind of you know in linear succession then you know are you really telling a story or are you just giving us facts i will say Kristen, also very annoying this show does start with a like flash forward to ailes's death and him narrating it and i was just like you've not earned that yet no you and by not. the way like the narration doesn't come back until maybe after he dies like oh. again it's just like dude seriously and I just, I don't know, like, I I feel a little angry about the idea that everyone thought it was a good idea to put Russell Crowe in a fat suit and then have him force women to give him blowjobs. Yeah, like, it's, I, it, it's, it's just, really why, strange. It's just not, you are not adding to this conversation. Yeah, and it's, it's so strange to me, too, because, I mean, one of the executive producers here is Tom McCarthy, who did Spotlight. And, and you know, like all journalists, I think Spotlight is the greatest thing ever, and everyone should watch it 10 right. times a day. But just, you know, the thing about Spotlight that always came across the, the, the film was that it, it, it was such a kind of rigid and interesting approach to a story that, you know, could, could literally fill days and days of trying to dig in deeper to it. And, right. And, 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 you know, it managed to kind of cover that so effectively in, you know, essentially under two hours. And it's just here, the opposite is really true. You have this story that just the longer it goes on, the less, you know, necessity it seems to have. Other it's than just... getting Emmys. Like, it exactly. really does yeah. seem 100% <laughs> geared toward getting a bunch of Emmys for <laughs> Russell Crowe and for Showtime. And, you know, fine like we can't hold them not fine not well, fine well i mean i understand you know that's their business they want to make tv that makes noise and that gets them awards but like if you're going to do that you need to actually make it good rather than put putting a bunch of a-listers in it and then just reenacting forcible blowjobs yeah sorry i don't know why i keep saying blowjob but it's just it's very frustrating to me that yeah. this is like a lot of i i just don't need to see that much of I don't need, you know, I don't need to see as much as they seem to want to uh, depict it. And, and and the way that they show it. I, I will say, Kristen, I was going to complain about the fact that, you know, this very American story, you got Australian Russell Crowe as the star, <laughs> uh, Naomi Watts, who's, who's yeah. British-Australian, uh, Sienna Miller, and Annabelle Wallace. Um, but I believe, we've not seen him yet, but I think Barry Watson is going to play Lachlan Murdoch. Yes, he so... shows up. He shows up in one of the episodes. And I, I li that, that was the one moment of pure joy that I felt watching this. I was like, it's Barry Watson! Like, and, like we're we're getting some of our own back if, if Barry Watson is playing Lachlan Murdoch here. He's 
only in the first four that I've seen, he's only briefly in one episode, but I was definitely like, please, camera, follow him out the door because I would like to watch that. I would like to see more of him because he's a delight. Yeah, yeah. Needs more Barry Watson yes. is a <laughs> typical our, critique. That's of our most forward review. Needs more Barry Watson. <laughs> Loudest Voice debuts Sunday, June 30th on Showtime and runs for seven episodes. Uh, intrigued to see what everybody thinks about that. We'll take a quick break right now, and when we come back, we'll be discussing Perpetual Grace Limited. Getting fit and staying healthy, it's always easier said than done, right? But OpenFit is bringing you something new that makes it even easier to never miss a sweat session. You don't have to commute to the gym. You can let the workouts come to you. You can do it in the comfort and privacy of your own home. OpenFit takes all the complexity out of losing weight and getting fit. It's a brand new, super simple streaming service that allows you to work out from your living room in as little as 10 minutes a day. And OpenFit has amazing trainers and classes. They're led by some of the most effective and engaging trainers in the world. Sculpt your body with Andrea Rogers, founder of the worldwide sensation Extend Bar, which, by the way, I've done, and it's really hard, and I love it. Or you can get in crazy good shape with Hunter McIntyre, named by Sports Illustrated as one of the top 50 fittest athletes. These trainers know how to get you results quick. Good for you for doing the extend bar stuff, Kristen. I've been taking on the Yoga 52, nice. one 30 to 45 minute yoga class a week. It's great. I love the fact that with OpenFit, you can really work it into your schedule. My big ambition is to start up the Tough Mudder training program, nice. which gets you strong, lean, and fit in 30 days. Never been, never been any of those things. So excited to try and do that. OpenFit has changed the way I work out, and with my code EWBEST, you listeners can join me on a fitness journey personalized just for you. Again, use my code EWBEST and start using OpenFit for your journey to a healthier life. Right now, during the OpenFit 30-Day Challenge, our listeners get a special extended 30-day free trial membership to OpenFit. You can do the whole Tough Mudder program in 30 days if you want to. You can lose up to 15 pounds in 30 days. All when you text EWBEST, E-W-B-E-S-T, to 303030. That's 303030. You'll get full access to OpenFit, all the workouts and nutrition information, totally free. Again, just text EWBEST to 303030. That's 303030. And start your OpenFit experience today. And we're back, Kristen, and it's time to talk about a show that, I'll be honest, I had barely even heard about until I devoured all of the screeners that the network was offering up. The show is called Perpetual Grace Limited, currently playing Sundays on Epics. This is a show that I would generally describe as a Western, noir, kind of psychedelic, kind of epic, kind of biblical crime story. Another one of those. Uh, it begins with the character James, played by the great Jimmy Simpson. He's a drifter. He's kind of going all around this crazy, weird New Mexican landscape. He meets another young drifter named Paul Allen Brown, played by Damon Harriman, who a lot of people will remember loving as Dewey Crow on Justified. The two put together a Hitchcockian crisscross scheme, whereby James will go undercover 
cover with Paul's parents. Uh, the parents are themselves called Pa and Ma and are played by awesome actor alert Ben Kingsley and Jackie Weaver. Pa and Ma seem like very nice people. They're very trusting. When James tells them that their son is currently dying in a Mexican prison, they go south of the border immediately to pick him up. Not everything is as it seems in the world of Perpetual Grace Limited, however, Kristen. And very, very soon, in fact, by the end of the season premiere, uh, which I feel okay with somewhat spoiling right now, Pa has killed a man with a shoe and is <laughs> warning people that he's the devil, basically. Kristen, this is a show that is just full of a lot of dark delights. Uh, you know, I, I didn't even mention the fact that the great Luis Guzman is playing the sheriff in Mexico, Hector, who has his own problems. Um, there's astronauts. Uh, there's great music. There's a really cute kid. Um, this was a big surprise for me, Kristen. Uh, have you kind of dug into Perpetual Grace? Uh, uh, what's your feeling about this uh, very strange and a wonderful show? I really have to thank you for for uh, just slacking me and, and saying, like, I've gone down this rabbit hole and you need to check it out. Because, again, I've seen the posters for this show. I believe it premiered, what, a month ago? And yeah. I've, you know, looked at it and been like, I have no idea what that is. That title is terrible. <laughs> what is epics? You know, I know what epics is, but I just, you know, I'm not going to go look for it. But I started watching and, like, I'm, I totally was sucked in. I personally felt that it filled like the Fargo sized hole in my heart, like, cause it feels very funny and quirky and homespun, but also polished. Like the way they talk to each other is very, you know, it's almost got sort of a literary uh, feel to it, but it's also very funny. Paul was telling his girlfriend, like why he can't be the one to execute this plan uh, with his parents. He's like, you know, because they're not really going to die. And then, you know, they're going to come back and I'll have to be in the same kitchen with them. Like, it's just such a, like, it's, it's such a perfectly specific joke and uh, silly. And Jimmy Simpson is so great in it. Oh, he's incredible. I mean, because he, uh, Jimmy Simpson, who a lot of people will recall as, spoiler alert, young Ed Harris on Westworld, um, he just makes such a great kind of protagonist for yes. this story. Because, you know, he, he looks very slippery, but there's something very congenial about him. There's a great through line, Kristen, uh, that you already kind of get into in, in the first episode episode where he kind of starts interacting with a local boy named Glenn. Oh, I love Glenn. And Glenn, I mean, that's the stuff that I, I love your comparison to Fargo because it has that same quality too of somewhat unexpectedly the ways in which it moves its story forward because he meets Glenn. Glenn is a sort of teenager who's running a pawn shop because his dad is the town drunk who's nowhere around. Um, and, you know, very, very quickly, James has to injure him um, for one part of the scheme that is quickly going on off the rails and then after that he keeps on coming back and trying to sort of like you know help him it's just he feels so wonderful... bad about <laughs> about bonking glenn on the head and it, like they have this friendship and it just gets like kind of crazier and crazier and glenn is so unflappable and i do love what i love about jimmy's Simpsons performance is that, you know, as James gets, it's very clear, very quickly, as you said, by the end of the first episode, that like James is in way over his head. And that every step along the way, things start getting like worse and worse and worse for him. And Jimmy Simpson is sort of like, you can see behind his eyes, he's starting to panic, but he keep, yeah. he does a really good job of sort of keeping this out 
exterior uh, sort of equanimity <laughs> as he's like, you can see him thinking as he's like, should I, should I say yes? Should I say no? What should I do? You know, as, as each new fresh hell comes upon him, he's really doing his best to stay calm. And, and you know, it's a very funny performance as yeah. well as being a very tricky one. I don't understand the astronaut stuff at all. Like I haven't, <laughs> I don't, I don't think I've even really gotten to the point where there are astronauts other than in the opening credits, but I'm a little confused by that i mean and ben kingsley is like straight up as you said in your review he's like straight up sexy beast in this oh, and this he's is, so this, good this is, the, this is the full kingsley yes. i mean this is the full like <laughs> I, I mean you know he he does something at the end of the second episode that is like so grotesque and, and so funny and again i, I i'm just I, i'm digging in further here there, there really is this sort of like fargo goes to the desert feeling to this show mm-hmm. um it's uh created by stephen conrad and bruce terrace uh conrad had previously created the series Patriot um, which is on Amazon Prime I'm just now getting into that I know a lot of people really really enjoyed it that show is also really really good and totally different it's a a, like spy thriller that is largely set in Luxembourg but uh, has a similar quality to it you kind of mentioned the literary tone to the dialogue um, but like literary in a funny confederacy of dunces way (laughs) right not like it's highfalutin it's just like Ma and Pa pick James up Uh, they find him passed out by the side of the road and they pick him up and he's like unhand me (laughs) and they kind of laugh about the fact that he says unhand me like it's very you know it's not it's not pretentious it's just kind of uh it feels very quirky in a and not in an annoying way because i'm i'm often allergic to quirk but it does feel like it's got a, a good handle on the balance between suspense and humor and and intelligence and drama yeah, I, I sometimes think like the main difference between good quirk and bad quirk often comes down to just the performers. Yes. And, you know, like 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 bad quirk is always in that kind of indie land feeling where they seem to be almost kind of stepping back from the material. Yeah. Here, um, you know, Luis Guzman, uh, he just has these he has these great. He's he's very much just this incredibly troubled person. He loves his family. He's trying to leave his family. <laughs> he 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 very quickly, you know, in, in the kind of south of the border part of the story um you know he is kind of getting in very much over his head he has this one line in episode two i think where he's talking all about the detective novel that he's been writing oh my god and, you yes. know after after seven years he's only on page 36 but kingsley's <laughs> like that's five pages a year and Luis Guzman's is like uh, it's it's a little more than that <laughs> so like there's just great moments like that and you know again um you know one aspect of this sort of four-dimensional con is that james is going uh, is going undercover. He's pretending to be Paul, which throws him in the direct line of a Texas Ranger played by Terry O'Quinn. So and good. Terry O'Quinn is awesome. I mean, this is a great and very kind of different kind of role for him. He he almost seems like he's a character out of time in a way. Oh, you know, yeah. He, he, he presents as such a sort of all-American vision of being a Texas Ranger and just, you know, his, his clothes, his beard. It's all this kind of stuff that I, I, I even, I, I've now seen five episodes of it. I, I, I'm all in on this show. I'm certainly worried about it maintaining this tone. I, I, as you said, Kristen, there is always the fear with anything quirky of it kind of entering into a space where you just don't want to, you know, approach it anymore. Right. But there's there's a real humanity and, and a humor to it yeah. that I think really triumphs against all of that. I don't think it's a spoiler to say that uh, Luis Guzman's character has, like, one of the best introductions in terms of, like, <laughs> he, all he's trying to do is to get his two teenage sons to play, play with him outside. And it's honestly like 
it should be his Emmy reel. Because the way, and again, this is all in Spanish and it's subtitled, but I was just dying. It was amazing. Oh, it's and, so incredible. And it's just like, it tells you so much about this guy because then he goes back and, and makes this phone call saying, yes, I'll help with this scheme. But like, it, it was just astounding to me. I just thought, you know, I fell in love with the character then. And uh, I really, you root for him, even though he's, you know, a guy who's trying to leave his family and he's helping yeah. with this scheme. So, like, there are a lot of these sort of hapless and yet somehow appealing criminals, much like that's why it kind of also gave me the Fargo vibe. Because, you know, yeah. you do root for a lot of the characters in Fargo, even as they're doing bad things. I mean, I guess I would say uh, I feel like we should make it clear to people you know, who are like, what is epics? Because, <laughs> you know, I know it's a network, but like, if you're not going to like upgrade your cable package, Darren, to get epics, is there any way for people to watch this? There is, yes. Uh, epics does now have a streaming service, uh, which from what I can tell, i.e. by going to the website, is five ninety nine a month. As a TV critic, on one hand, um, I understand the people out there and our listeners, you know, the, the whole goal of this era was not paying more money for television. That was sort of the, the great dream of cord cutting. So I, I know right. it's kind of annoying sometimes when I or when we are saying, you know, CBS All Access and Epics. Yeah. I, 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 I hope there are people out there who have both those streaming services. I find that very unlikely. Right. Um, but what I would say is that, um, you know, with the five ninety nine a month, um, you know, perhaps there's a way for you to kind of like dip in a little bit yeah. once this show, you know, the, the, the show is currently halfway through its first season. So there's a lot of material that's worth kind of diving into here. Um, on the horizon, Epics does have some interesting shows that are coming up. There's a Godfather of Harlem. Um, there's the Alfred Pettyworth Butler from Batman prequel I mean, spinoffs. So define we'll interesting. We'll see. Um, but I, I do think that, you know, point blank, if someone were to ask me, is it worth $6 a month? Is it worth potentially $12 over the next two months to watch this show? I'd kind of say, yeah, honestly. I mean, it, it's so distinctive. It is. And like, we watch a lot of TV, Darren. And like, it is so rare and such a delight to stumble on something that you literally have no idea what it is and then yeah. just to get pulled in. Granted, there are plenty of other things to watch, but this was one where it re I really just am so glad that I didn't, I, I could have been completely in the dark about this forever and I'm just so glad you told me about it because it's really, it's quite fun and I don't know what the plan is, if it's like an anthology or if, you I know. think it's meant to be an, an ongoing drama um, and, and it's the kind of thing where on one hand, you know, I, I worry because, you know, is it on a place where not a lot of people are finding it right. or, you know, d does that kind of ensure it's some sort of a life because, you know, it, Epics is sort of willing right now to dedicate time to this. Um, but yeah, I, I believe right now the plan is for it to be ongoing. And one thing you just said, Kristen, that, that I think is really apt. You know, one of the things that I still love most about television is the feeling of kind of finding something that you weren't expecting. And it's very, it's less usual now in the kind of on-demand culture that right. we have. And this, this really does kind of feel like, for me, it kind of conjured up, um, you know, being someone kind of digging through like the cable channels in the late 90s and finding something awesome on like a way off the beaten track channel yes. or you know finding something playing on like adult swim after hours there's a real quality of um this sort of is justifying its eccentricity and its total unusualness so perpetual grace limited is on epic sundays at 10 you can also stream it on epics now i believe is there is there yes. a service yes. and so after the break, Darren, we're also going to talk about another pleasant surprise that I stumbled upon and I hope you love as much as I do. 
Life can be stressful, listeners, between work, family, everything in between. It's not always easy to find time for yourself. Talkspace Online Therapy makes taking care of your mental health more affordable and more convenient than ever before. Simply provide your preferences for therapy, and Talkspace will match with one of 4,000-plus therapists the very same day. Send your therapist unlimited text, audio, picture, or video messages from anywhere at any time. No matter what you're going through, you're not alone. And right now you can join more than 1 million people who feel happier with Talkspace. Talkspace has more than 4,000 licensed therapists who are all very experienced in addressing the challenges that we all face. To match with your perfect therapist for a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, go to Talkspace.com right now. Make sure to use the code TALK, that's T-A-L-K, to get your first week free and to show your support for best of shows. That's TALK, T-A-L-K, at Talkspace.com. And we're back on Best of Shows, and we're talking about our third show of the week. And I'm ashamed to admit that I didn't pay any attention to HBO's Los Espookies when it premiered a few weeks ago on Friday, June 14th. But after watching the first four episodes, I am now officially obsessed. Los Espookies follows a group of friends who love horror, so much so that they make their own horror-themed special effects and prosthetics as a hobby. But soon they turn that hobby into a business, staging hilarious and horrific scenes for pay, like they stage a fake exorcism for a priest, they create a haunted mansion scenario for an eccentric billionaire, and more. The show is written by Julio Torres and Anna Fabresia, who star on the show. Torres plays Andres, a gay heir to a chocolate fortune who lives his life like it's a soap opera, and he does have a very gothic and ornate backstory. And Fabresia plays Tati. She's an unflappable oddball who helps the group with their horror projects when she's not participating in the gig economy. Some of her jobs include serving as a human Fitbit or breaking in someone else's shoes and so on. The show is exec produced by Lorne Michaels and Fred Armisen, and Armisen has a supporting role as Tito, a devoted parking valet, and the uncle to the Los Espookies leader, Rinaldo, played by Bernardo Velasco. The show reminds me a lot of the sort of silly, smart comedies that I love, like 30 Rock or Trial and Error, but there's also this element of magical realism to it. This is a world where things like crystal balls and cursed mirrors exist, and yet they're treated with a sort of -of matter-of-fact attitude. But still, even with its sort of quirky and weird uh, and very unusual premise, it's also very relatable. It's about friendship, it's about following your passion and fitting in, and I am just officially obsessed. It's I should also point out it's in Spanish with subtitles, which means you actually have to watch the screen unless you are fluent in Spanish. But I still am laughing out loud in every episode. I really am loving the show. What did you think, Darren? Kristen, this is definitely one where I have to thank you for this because uh, I had not really heard much about it. Um, you had said that you were really, really digging it. Uh, I, I love the, the premiere of this show right off the bat. I think it just establishes um, it, it kind of perfectly captures, I think, the tone that they're going for, where it is 
incredibly kind of loving in its homage mm-hmm. to all these different sort of like horror aesthetics. Um, the soundtrack especially feels a little kind of classic synth spooky in a way that I appreciate. And um, I think I knew that I was in on the show when uh, the first time you meet the character played by Julio Torres, um, uh, Andres. Yeah. Um, he's like kind of walking by the pool. He's wearing one cross earring, a purple bathrobe, and his hair is blue. <laughs> and like, you know, he's kind of hanging out with his boyfriend who's this totally vain character named Juan Carlos. And Juan Carlos has this line that's like, you know, I don't like anything ugly. When we watch Beauty and the Beast, I skip the scenes with the beast. And at that point, I was like, I think I'm, I think I'm on this show. I think I'm with it. I think you've watched more than me. Is, yeah. is, the, is the feeling kind of that, is each week sort of a different sort of horror operation that they're working on? Yes. Or? Yeah. The Los Spookies, which is what they name themselves, they start by staging an exorcism for a priest and that would be <laughs> for reasons that like are ridiculous, but uh, quite funny. And they do a great job and they decide like, okay, we're going to keep doing this as a business. And there are people who uh, need some kind of scary thing to happen for whatever reason. There's a sea monster. They stage a sort of sea monster sighting to help a town get tourism. There's <laughs> the cursed mirror situation is uh, involves a character who is the American ambassador. And she's really, uh, she essentially looks like a Barbie doll. And she acts like a Barbie doll, but she also <laughs> is the American ambassador. She needs to be abducted. So they get this cursed mirror. It's a whole thing. And as the show goes along, it's almost like it has this sort of animated show uh, vibe where everything is sort of taking place in quote unquote real life, but the boundaries of real life are a little broader than they are in, in actual real life. You know, there's just sort of more fantasy elements into it that everyone treats as normal. And yeah, and it all feels as if like they've kind of established the rules, even if it also feels thrillingly like there are no rules. Yes. Um, In the first episode, there's a great through line about a a newscaster. Oh, I love her. Whenever she's not on camera, like just seems exactly existentially or you know almost in a science fiction way to not really know what's going on like i just i, I love she that. literally says of- she goes where do i go when the lights turn off <laughs> and it's you know it's, it's and it's hilarious but you really but she's a character she hosts a sort of a tabloid tv show called mira esto and she's a character who continues uh and of course she's interested in what los spookies are doing because it you know is there really a sea monster that's the kind of thing she would put on her tabloid tv show but there's there's a lot of really sort of smart commentary about whether it's pop culture or you know horror or whatever that is also treated with very loving like you said it's interesting because Fred Armisen is uh, one of the he's one of the exec producers as is Lorne Michaels and I actually find his stuff the least interesting. He's uh, he's a very dedicated uh, parking valet, and he's uh, Ronaldo's uncle. Um, and I'm hoping that they will eventually just sort of phase him out once it becomes clear that like these kids are what's interesting about the show. I think he's clearly there as you know, sort of the quote unquote name. I'm more interested in watching these these kids, especially do, and they're young people; they're not children, but um, watching them do their their horror and and that's what they love you know Ronaldo is so dedicated to his horror that's all you know his his grandma or is it his mom or his grandma that he lives with is constantly trying to get him to date women and he's just like nope all, my passion is horror that's all I want to do and I you know I love that he's a very yeah. like he's a very he's a dedicated horror fanboy 
Yeah, I mean, just just the, the whole crew all, all together. There's such a warmth and a kind of a, a, an absurd humor there. Yeah, I, I Armisen is sort of a show killer for me sometimes, yeah. Kristen. But I, I I I do think that him kind of being a little siloed off has made him easier to take so far. Yeah. Um, and I will just say this is a really interesting show coming out now because uh, I believe that um, Julio Torres had been an SNL writer, and so I, I would almost kind of in, in a way group this together with the other two as kind yeah. of you know, another kind of Lorne Michaels produced show that feels like um, you know a, a, a kind of younger writer a younger TV creator um, really kind of right out the gate coming up with a show that already feels so kind of wonderfully eccentric and so really well defined um, you know the, the show is currently quote unquote airing on television <laughs> on Fridays which is a somewhat confusing time for me but obviously I, I think a lot of people will just be tracking it down um, via HBO's streaming options and I, I do hope they do because as you said um, just like the, the longer in you get with it um, there's just such a, a real uniqueness to it yeah. um, and, and, and such a specificity because I mean again you know we, we were talking earlier about quirk absurdity is also a very very difficult thing to hit right. without coming off as being very annoying and them doing it so well is just I think kind of astonishing really. It really is I mean this is something that uh, almost like perpetual grace is it feels fully formed as you said right out of the gate like this world these characters and I think the fact that you know it stars two people who are also writing it there's clearly a very developed vision behind it um Tati is maybe like my favorite new TV character you know there's a I I won't spoil it but there's a line there's sort of a a, a plot line about her love life which becomes it's just amazing like it's so silly but like it just they carry it out with such straight face dedication that uh you really uh, they really sell it. And, um, you yeah, know, there's yeah. little things like Ronaldo is haunted by the fact that his name does not have a Y in it because the, the you know, the normal spelling, I guess, of Reynaldo is R-E-Y-N-A-L-D-O, but he's just R-E-N-A-L-D-O. And, like, people are always saying to him, are you sure there's no Y in your name? You know, and he's like, <laughs> it's this, like, running thing, which also, like, ties back to why he loves horror so much. These are clearly characters that have been crafted with love oh god tati who I, I i think we first meet her we first meet her with the fan thing right yes. when, uh, when they've they they've taken a meeting with a priest the priest is like oh it's very hot like tati like the fan and she comes in and there's this like stand-up fan that she has to turn by hand she's over manually over turning the fan blades <laughs> And then she gets then, fired because she doesn't do a good job. Yeah, the, the priest fires her, and she has this great line. And you're right, Kristen. This is just like r- r- right away. You're just so invested in her. Where like I, I, I think she says that's how it goes. One second you're a fan, the next second you're not. <laughs> it's just there's something just so kind of handmade about all about all of this, which 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 which, which makes the ways it captures this sort of style it's going for even more impressive. Yeah, I just I am loving it, and I can't wait to see more. And I want to like tell the world about it because. I I feel like it's something where a lot of people probably already do subscribe to HBO or their streaming options. And so they can discover it. So I hope that people will check this out as well, because and again, it's on Friday night. Like what? Just stream it. And it's fun to binge because, it, you know, I've been watching like all I want to do, you know, 
to the dismay of like my editors and everything um, in terms of like deadlines, all I want to do is watch this. All I want to do is stream <laughs> the episodes that are available and like to, the, you know, to everything else's neglect. So I hope that people will check out Los Spookies on HBO. Everyone do check it out. It's a good watch and probably an even better rewatch, uh, just given the way that the, that the comedy of it is all uh, layered together. That wraps it up for this week's episode of EW's Best of Shows. Thanks, listeners, so much for checking in with us again. You can find us on Twitter. We love arguments and counter-arguments. Not, uh, not arguments. We love friendly conversations, yes. and we always have so many of them with you each week. She's at Kristen G. Baldwin. I'm at Darren Franich. Uh, you can find this podcast wherever you find your podcast, whether it's Apple podcast spotify radio.com uh we'd love to get a rating and a review from you we want to hear how we're doing make sure we're doing the best show that we possibly can i should have a catchphrase but i don't so goodbye